Well, Merry Christmas. Oh, come on. One more time. Let's hear it from the kids. Merry Christmas. Hey, all right. I'm so excited to see all of you here tonight. Thank you for, for coming on out. And I'm really actually excited to see a lot of the young kids in here. How many of you guys are in elementary school? Throw your hands up real quick. As high as you can. I'm not going to like throw it up. There's a lot of elementary school. Any junior hires in here? Throw your hands up. High schoolers, I'm not going to embarrass you. So uh, just adults, any adults in the room? There's some, yeah, all right. They can embarrass themselves. All right, so, but I'm really excited that uh, we get to do this all together as a family. Sometimes we don't always get to do this. And, and I really kind of want to ask uh, the elementary school kids a couple questions real quick. I mean, how many of you guys are excited about tonight? Just say, yeah. Oh, come on, kids. You're the kids. You're supposed to have all the energy. All right, kiddos, out here, a different second question. Who's excited they're out of school right now? All right, all right, next question. How many of you guys are excited about spelling? That's what I thought. I wasn't excited about spelling either. In fact, a little unknown secret from, a little known secret of my family is that I was a horrible speller at your age. Any fourth graders in this room? How many fourth graders we got? I, at fourth grade, I was probably the worst speller in my class. Horrible at spelling, couldn't figure it out. I thought I could, I could spell words in all different kinds of ways, apparently. And then they, they, they decided the best way to challenge us to be better spellers was they created this game called the Wizards of Spelling. And it was like this giant game board that hung on one of the on one of our, on our, our bulletin boards, and you're supposed to get your grades, and for the top grades you got, you move forward with your team, and they put you on teams. So you, they had to depend on each other. They were trying to like get you to actually study together and get A's together, and I kept pulling F's, and so my team didn't like me very well. They were like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I can't spell. And, and so this horrible situation of inability to spelling came all over me, and one day I was watching teams. They're all ahead of us. All the teams were ahead of us, and they kept landing on this particular square, and it was this weird square with a red dot, and when you landed on that square, you had these giants that attacked your team, not real giants. It was in the story, and, they, if, and if, they, if you weren't wearing red socks that day to school, the giants attacked your team and took away all points, or you were stuck there or something. It was like some bad thing. Well, of course, I'm watching us. We're kind of last place because of me, and we're getting closer to that square, and I'm going one day, I go, you know what? I'm going to guess we're going to land on that square. And I snuck into my room before I went to school, and I grabbed my big red knee-high soccer socks, and I pulled them on. Anybody ever, don't do this. So this, I'm looking to be beat up by a bully at that point, and I'm putting these knee-high red soccer socks on under my jeans, smart, and I put on my shoes, and I go to school, and I'm sitting there in class, and I'm just like, please, nobody look at my feet, please, nobody look at my feet. And lo and behold, our little marker starts moving and lands right on that red, on that red dot. And they're like, oh, you're all gonna get it now. All the other teams are all upset, and they're like, and they're like, anybody wearing red socks? I said, yes, I am. I pulled up my red socks, and everybody's like, you are so weird. But, I, <laughs> but we got past that. We got all like these bonus points and stuff for doing that and moved up. And so I, I went from the zero to the hero all by having a great prediction. I, I actually predicted correctly we were going to land on the square that needed red socks. You know why I was excited about that? Because let's be honest, even as adults, we don't predict things very well, do we? I mean, think about the things we've predicted in the last decade. 
How'd Y2K go? <laughs> or, 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 or the idea of, a, of a, who's going to win an election. I mean, when we're... I mean, let alone, I, kids, you're going to hear people tell you all the time, you know, oh, this is what it's going to be like. This is what the weather is. We never get the weather right. We don't predict things very well. We're, we get fascinated when we actually see a good prediction. When we find out Back to the Future actually predicted that the Cubs in Miami would play each other, we're like, oh, that's, that's amazing. But really, honestly, the reason it's amazing is because we're horrible at predicting things. We don't predict anything right, usually. Have you predicted your Christmas presents? I hope not. Because sometimes you get disappointed when you didn't figure it out. But get excited about your Christmas presents because we get to pre- there's a prediction I want to come to. There's, a, there's something that happened early on in the Christmas story that I want to kind of open up and start talking about. And, and, it, and it deals with a prediction. It's kind of an odd, weird prediction and part of a story we don't always get to. And so if you've got a Bible, you can grab one. If you don't, it's okay. I'll, I'll read this to you. It's in Luke chapter 24. We're looking at 22 through 32. And if you want to grab a Bible, you got one or you got an app and you can open it, you can take a look at that. But basically what's going on in the story is that Mary and Joseph have come down from Bethlehem. They have been in the census. And now they have, Mary has given birth in the stable and Lo and behold, these angels appear, these shepherds come marching in, they find the baby in a manger, laid in swaddling cloths, and everybody's amazed. In fact, the scripture says they laid it up in their hearts. They were so awed by what had happened. Well, little do we know, days keep rolling. In fact, between when the three kings, the magi, show up, and when this scene happens in Luke, there are some other things that Mary and Joseph have to do in order to be right with the law of Israel. And so this is where we find this. It's in, sorry, not Luke 24, that's 2, Luke 2, 24. I always do this, but 2, chapter 2, and Jesus starts off this way. No, sorry, the story about Jesus keeps going. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, and they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And this is what the poor people would offer. And Mary and Joseph are really poor. They don't have anything to offer. They don't have the money yet that the, the three wise men would bring in this chest with gold in it. No, they, they, they just have a little bit of money. So they bring this baby to the temple of, of Israel. And it was this big building, a lot like your churches today, but bigger And all the Jewish people would come together at certain times and celebrate there. But one of the things you had to do is bring these babies after they were born and bring them to the temple, and you had to pay this little price in order to redeem your child. What's interesting about this is this whole place would have been filled with kids. I mean, everywhere you turned, you heard, oh, 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 all over the place. There's a baby, and there's a baby, and there's a baby. So you can imagine, in and out, parents walking around, holding, cuddling their babies. People go, oh, cute baby. Oh, cute. You know, all that compliments are happening. All in this section of the temple. And suddenly, this guy comes up to Mary and Joseph. And his name is Simeon. Verse 25 says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Then this man was a righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for what they call the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And it happened, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple where the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to what is custom law. And he took him up in his arms 
and blessed God. So he just grabs the kid, picks him up, and starts going, God bless this child. And this is what he says. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the nations, for the glory to your people Israel. Did you catch his prediction? I mean, here's a guy. This, is not, this isn't recent. This is 2,000 years ago. This man, it comes with all these children, sort of like in a nursery at a church. Kids are coming in and out. This guy's always hanging out at the temple. He's always there looking around. You know, saying, oh, there's good old Simeon. Yeah, that guy. And he walks up, and he's just like, this is the baby. And he starts saying, this is the kid. This is the one I've been waiting for. He's going to be a light to all the nations. Time out here for a second. Guys, do you know how big the world is? I mean, adults, do we understand the context here? All these hundreds of children going in and out, in and out, every day. Millions of people populated what is known as the Roman Empire. And that was only a part of right here, the Mediterranean, that little space in this section. And only in that area were people. There were people all over the globe. And this man looks at this little baby and says, he's going to be a light of revelation to the nations all around the world. Anybody think that guy would get a prediction right? I mean, that's a pretty big prediction. That any little baby, that this guy is just like, I think it's that guy. Okay, this baby, this is the one. And he chooses Jesus. And he picks out this baby and says, this is the baby who's going to be known all around the world. And it's fascinating because of what we discover. His prediction actually has come true. You know what we're doing tonight? on Christmas Eve, is a celebration that is actually occurring all around the world. It's occurring globally. Kids are waking up on Christmas morning all over the world. Adults are waking up on Christmas morning all over the world in celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, what's beautiful is Luke didn't know this when the author who wrote this, he, he was writing it down. All he knew was just a little bit, that this Jesus was indeed the, the Messiah, that he had risen from the dead, and that his message was already going out at least into the Roman Empire. He was a light, and this little light kept shining. In fact, it begins in Israel itself. If you look at this, this is Perfect. It's okay. You can stay. Just leave him. It's, it's okay. He's a great illustration. It's cool. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. Anyway, the beauty of this is that Jesus is born in Israel, in Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, today, this week, they had parades and people going in and out of these grottos and areas in Israel to celebrate the birth of Christ. And in fact, tomorrow there'll be a large celebration, or tomorrow for us already is happening pretty much for them, and, and there's this large celebration occurring in which they would adorn the area and celebrate, do, do different kinds of Christian religious ceremonies, and, and this is all happening in Israel right now. In fact, it, it would continue forward as people would pilgrimage constantly throughout all the centuries to Bethlehem because of this light. This one light that had been predicted by this old man, Simeon, in the middle of the temple. 
and it grows from there. The light begins to move out. In fact, it began to move into the Middle East, all over, starting up in Turkey. Luke himself was born in that area, and, and as it spread all over the place, the message about this baby, this Jesus, who had grown up, died on a cross, rose from the dead, began to spread even to modern days. You can still find pockets of Christians throughout the Middle East celebrating Jesus. One of them are called the Eastern Orthodox Church. A little different church, but they're the Assyrians. And the Assyrians in, in modern-day Iraq actually gather. They don't do Christmas on the 25th. They start, and then they move forward all the way to January 6th, in which they call Epiphany. And at that time period, they celebrate with a giant bonfire in the square. I've been wanting to have a giant bonfire in our square with that gazebo for years. Maybe we should do it. But that, the, they, they do it in their gazebo. They have this thing burning huge. And out comes one of their pastors carrying a little baby Jesus. And he tells a story. And then he takes the blessing from this baby Jesus. And he touches one person with that blessing. You know what that person does? He turns around and touches someone else. And the touch of peace goes throughout the entire congregation until everyone's been touched. That's how they celebrate it as Assyrians in Iraq at Christmas. The light was a light that touched person to person to person. See, guys, do you realize? They didn't have phones, let alone iPhones. They didn't have internet. They didn't have VCRs or DVD players. Those came out when I was a kid. They didn't have TVs. They didn't have radios. They didn't have... Little, didn't have any of that stuff. Telegraphs. The way you communicated was person to person. And this prediction that would go all over the world, that's pretty big. And yet, one touch to one touch began to range across the globe. It began in the Middle East, it began to spread forward. In fact, in Turkey, one of the most powerful stories and people we know came from this area. St. Nicholas himself was born in Turkey and, and in Greece in that, in that area, and he became the bishop of a little town called Myrna. In Myrna, he became well-known for loving people by supplying for them at certain times gifts. And so giving gifts got connected to this man named St. Nicholas. And slowly through the years, he became known as what? Who? Santa Claus. And today, Santa Claus is part of Christmas because of St. Nicholas who was a bishop, a Christian pastor who lived way, way back. See, in the history of Christmas, all the things you see at Christmas will remind you, this isn't an American thing. It's a global thing. I'll give you a couple other interesting ones that exist that help you see that this is a global Christmas. North Africa here, actually, if you see this area right up here at the top in this section here is a city called Carthage. And there was a man, and just south of Carthage is a place called Hippo. And this man, Hippo, anybody like hippos? Uh, this man lived in this place called Hippo. His name was Augustine. And Augustine sat down. He was a well-known teacher and preacher, so well-known. His writings got distributed all over the place. And he loved Jesus, and he taught about Jesus. And one day he sat down to write about these, these, this event of Christmas. And he took these, these guys called magi, wise men. These guys from the east. And as he wrote about them, he developed them into three kings. Anybody heard of the three kings? Anybody put your three kings in at your nativity scene? 
Augustine moved the Magi from these foreign magician guys to three kings and even named them for us. I don't know their names because I forgot that part, but some of you do. But the reality is this, this tradition began from a man in North Africa. And in fact, what he influenced was some churches celebrate from today all the way to January 6th or January 7th called Epiphanies when they believe the three, ma- the three kings came bearing their gifts. In fact, in some churches, you're not allowed to take down your Christmas lights until after January 6th. Anybody remember that tradition? That for some Catholic families, you're like, yeah, that, was that why we did that? That's exactly why you did that. Christmas was celebrated around the world, and these traditions end up in your home. They end up in your, in your life. And so it's interesting that these continue forward. In fact, in Germany and North, Northern Europe, as you can see that, as it kind of spreads out in the England and the, United, and the United Kingdom, this is what we know most of. You know why we hang lights? Because the Norsemen who live up in Nor- Nor- Norway and Sweden and Finland up there in the top, these guys, they loved the idea of taking wreaths and lighting them so that they represented the birth of Christ. See, before, let me tell you a little interesting story. Before Jesus was known up in Norway, they believed in this big God called Thor. Anybody heard of Thor? Not the Avengers Thor. Okay, this Thor was a different guy. He was the God of lightning, and he had this giant oak tree that everybody bowed down to. And this little old pastor wanted these people to hear about Jesus went up there, and he kept telling about Jesus who'd risen from the dead, and Jesus, this mighty king, and they go, we got Thor. There's his giant oak tree. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he prayed one night, felt convicted after reading the Bible that he went over and he took an ax and he chopped that oak tree down. Well, guess what everybody thought? That guy's going to die. Thor's going to strike you down. He's going to come with his, on, his, on his sleigh with his goats, and it's going to be, you're done. But Thor never came. And this man kept living, and that tree withered up, and it never grew back. And they started listening as he started to describe from this very interesting triangular tree, a fir tree, about how you can know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he explained who Jesus was using a fir tree, so much that they got so excited about fir trees, they started bringing boughs of them into their homes. Eventually, in time... The Germans would hang lights on the tree and they would bring them into the house and England would make it popular that it would come over to the United States to actually put a tree in your house based on the teachings of a missionary to some of our ancestors if you have German or any kind of English or northern roots from Europe. This is how much the global Christmas has affected us. You see, Here in North America, what we did is we took all these great traditions and we figured out how to sell them to the rest of the world. We we, we pull them all together and we have our Christmases together because what God has done, we want to celebrate Jesus and we bring in all of these very, very interesting stories. But there's a story that begins also that happens from Central and South America. You see, many, many years ago, the missionaries, they crossed the seas, and some of them came behind some pretty bad stuff, but, but after a while, they brought something with them. How many of you ever been involved, adults or children, in a living nativity? Any of you? You played, anybody play Mary or, or one of the wise men, or you, you got that wonderful job of being the sheep, Right? <laughs> 
Okay, we did some of that last year. That started with a man named St. Francis of Assisi in Europe. But the, but the Spanish loved it. And so when they came across, they brought the nativity and they would live it out. And they would do these grand nativity scenes with people. And in Mexico, especially, it began to catch on. And one night, with one of these nativities set up in the, in the very front of a church, the, the missionaries were preaching to the, to the Aztec Mexican people. They're having a hard time getting it across and, and making it clear, and yet some of the people were interested, and this little girl named Pepita came up and began to weep at the front of little baby Jesus. And she's like, I want to give him a gift, but I don't have anything. She was so poor. And somebody wisely leant down and said, you know, whatever you give, if you give it from the heart of love, he'll receive it from you. So Pepita gets up. She runs out of the church all the way out in the middle, and she finds some little green weeds sitting around. Anybody want to bring little green weeds to church and give them to Jesus? Well, that's what Pepita did. She gathered up these little green weeds, dug it up out of the ground, and brought them in and set them down in front of this. And if you want to believe the story, as the legend says, it was in that moment those little red leaves began to, or those little green leaves began to turn red. That's such a famous story. That poinsettia, as we know it today, became, became the indicator to all of the South American people that Christmas was coming. When the leaves turn from green to red, it's as if you guys just saw Santa Claus for the first time in the mall. You're like, Christmas is here. And that's how the entire South America begins to see Christmas is near. This poinsettia that began to be celebrated with Christmas at a simple nativity scene in Mexico City. But you know what? The nativity grew even further. They began to run around in South America and Central America doing something called Novasada. And they would go up to doors. They would knock on them as they'd go down the streets. And they'd say, is there any room? They'd say, there's no room. Is there any room? There's no room. Imitating Mary and Joseph going from home to home to try to find somewhere to go. And in this celebration, finally, they would come to the house that would allow them in, and they'd throw their Christmas Eve party right then and there after they've left from church. Christmas is celebrated in a myriad of different ways, in all kinds of different ways all over the world this very day. In fact, there's some interesting things about it. Christmas is about the light. You see, Simeon stood up, and what did he say? He says, this will be a light of the revelation to the nations. What a prediction. And yet, Eve, I could talk about, Ind I could talk about India and what's going on there. I could talk about the fact that they're having Christmas services in Antarctica this week. There is an Eastern Orthodox church built in 2004 in Antarctica. Yes, they're having Christmas services even there. Every continent. Australians love it. In fact, what they did is they just took Santa Claus and said, forget the reindeer, and they put six white kangaroos pulling Santa's sled. That's kind of fun. And you want to see more of those traditions, again, I point you out to these wonderful ornaments that were painted outside in our hallway by a, by a person in our church. And I show you some of these traditions. You can look at them, carefully look through them, but they're beautiful. But you know what the truth is? You know what happened after those, when those wise men came after Jesus was dedicated? There was this man who showed up, the Grinch of Grinches. Do you know what his name was? Herod the Great. And Herod's one desire was to take and snuff out the light. 
And so Herod found these wise men coming, and he pointed them off, said, go find baby Jesus so I can (laughs) come and worship him. (laughs) God warned them, and they, they took off. Herod never found baby Jesus, but managed to kill many, many children in his attempt to stop this light. And around the world, the light of Jesus continues to shine, but there's plenty of places it's being tried to be stopped. As we get to Asia, in fact, that's the story that exists in most of the Asian areas today, is of a light that's trying to pierce through, and yet there's so many that are trying to stop it, so many that are trying to attempt to make it, to make it end. In some cases, it's just tradition. For example, in Indonesia, in Papua, there was a, there's an island in the area, and these people worshipped in very strange ways. They've worshipped strange gods that were filled with fear. And missionaries had finally come to, to preach the gospel. And so they began by telling these stories. And they started with a creation story. And they would use people to act it out. And through every story, they would go through and discuss the story and bring the next one and the next one. They did the whole Old Testament. This is like going through children's ministry, right? All the way up until they finally got to Jesus. They taught Jesus' teachings. And one day with the whole, the whole village gathered around to listen, they talked about how Jesus had died on the cross. And the people started to weep because they had realized this hope that they had heard about had come and the people had killed him. And then they talked about his resurrection and suddenly one of the elders yelled out, Etau, I believe that's true. Suddenly the entire village rose up shouting, Etau, Etau. They picked the missionaries up, marched them along on their shoulders, celebrating and shouting to this very day in that very village. They celebrate Christmas with a bottopin. They take a, and they take a pig and they put it over this, this pit and they throw all these wonderfully different spiced meat, spiced things in there and fruits and, and they cook this pig and they do it all day long on Christmas Eve so that on Christmas, as the community is gathered, they share a communal feast and that's how they celebrate Christmas in Indonesia. I don't think our HOAs are going to let you dig a pit and, and celebrate like that, but hey, you know, we can give it a shot. But the reality is that the light shone into Indonesia, and it's still shining. We have a team that's in Indonesia. In fact, Christine's here tonight from there, and uh, we, we long to see that light continue on. In China today, the communist nation desired, the government says no to Christianity, and yet the church is spreading at 10,000 people being saved roughly a week or more. You're finding people coming to Christ over and over and over and over again as you see it grow and grow and grow. Some of us thought that Christianity was, was, was dimming in the world. No, actually, only in the West, only in England, only in Europe, beginning in America in some cases. But you name every other continent, and the light is exploding forth faster than it can ever be contained. The Herods of the world couldn't stop it. And it continues on and on and on. In fact, to give you one simple illustration of how this happened in Romania in the 1990s. In 1990, Romania was, 1992, Romania was not a free country. It's coming upon December, and the gospel was blowing up. In fact, under one pastor, it reached 6,000 people in his own town. Pastor Tokes was known as the number one enemy against the state. And the church 
was growing and growing, and the state took, began to have, basically send guys after him to beat him up. They took away all of his money and his food stamps so he couldn't purchase anything. And the man was being held up by his church until one day they finally decided, we're done with this guy. And they marched on the church, sent the police force. And what they came to was thousands of people from all kinds of churches standing in front of the church in a December cold night in Romania, unwilling to move. Slowly, one young man named Daniel of 19 lit a candle, handed another candle, and another candle, and another candle. And as he sang Christmas songs and sat outside in that cold night, few days before Christmas, they kept the police at bay for two whole nights and days. Finally, they broke through, found Pastor Tokes and his wife, beat them up, carried them out, took them to the governmental house where the whole mob of Christians followed after them, collecting more people until they gathered in front of the very front of the government buildings. They lit their candles again and kept singing. And that one event erupted that within the week, the tyrant dictator who ruled Romania was overthrown and freedom came to the country. And that was the first Christmas they celebrated in freedom because of the light. He's a peace bringer. He comes bearing peace, the prince of peace. And people who are bound, lost in their darkness and confusion, stuck in their problems, see the light and hear that God has loved them. No matter what they've done, and, and they, they take it in. And they accept what that child did. You see, my whole point tonight is to let you guys know one simple thing. That when you celebrate Christmas... You're part of a global celebration. You were part of something happening on every continent of the earth, in every nation, in some place. Christmas is being celebrated in some way. But more than that, 2,000 years ago, can you get this? A man picked up that baby and said he'll be a light to the nations. What are the odds of that prediction coming true? We, who can't always get the weather right. And so remind yourself, you don't just celebrate something with the rest of the globe. You are living in fulfilled prophecy, a fulfilled prediction. One of the reasons we gave you guys those little lights, those little candles, was to encourage you in the opportunity to go home to remind yourself tomorrow that you are not participating in an American thing only. It's a global thing. So we invite you to take that candle, to light that candle, and to actually read from the book of Luke, the Christmas story. And as you look at that candle, as you look at that light, to remind yourself that this light continues to spread Perhaps pray for that country that's on your shirt or your pajamas, as Brent mentioned. But take that opportunity to realize how great, global, and powerful the celebration is. Would you bow your heads with me? Tonight, this light has come to us 
again. And it's a beautiful light. It's that Jesus didn't just stay a baby, but God became a man. Why? Because he knew that our sin needed a savior. And on the cross, that he would bear 33 years later, he would bear our sins. And maybe tonight you come and, and it's Christmas. It's just the same old Christmas. Or maybe it's not for you. Maybe this year Christmas has been a wrestling match. It's not peaceful in your home. It's a situation where you know you have broken something in your heart and your life and you're aware of your sin. Can I just thank God that you're here? Because his light has come and he doesn't ask you to be perfect. He doesn't ask you to be religious. Instead, what he's done is he says, just trust me that I have taken your sins and I've borne them for you. That whatever punishment and guilt that you have, ha you have on yourself may be taken by him. That on the day in which you will meet God and everyone will face that day, that on that day, you will have an answer because Jesus has covered you with his righteousness, with his right standing, his connection with God. It's that message of being right with God through Jesus that is spread all over the world. You don't clean up. You don't become uber religious. No, you come to him as messed up and broken as we are because everyone here is messed up and broken. And we just simply receive his gift. Maybe tonight you're in a place where you're ready to receive that. I want to give you a chance to do so. And it begins just by talking to God right where you're at, by confessing your sin. Letting him know that, hey God, I know I'm a sinner. Then ask him to take your sin and place it on Christ. And ask him to forgive you of it. Then thank him that if you've trusted that he's taken it, thank him that he's forgiven you. Ask him to come now into your life to give you new life, a new chance, and to lead you forward. That that light would shine in you. And tonight I just want to pray over those of you who may be, may be actually praying through that. And if some of you here are, you realize, wow, that's a crazy prediction for it to be true or something like that. You just, you just know you need to receive Christ. If, if that's you, just in a way, nobody's looking around, I just slip your hand up so I can say I want to pray over those of you in this room tonight that may have made that decision. Lord, I just lift up those in the room, the, the kids and the adults who have made that decision tonight. I ask that you'd bless them and you'd empower them to follow after you with all their heart. Thank you for them and we pray that you, God, would just be present in them through your light. It's in your name we pray. Amen.